Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that has visiting hours for you between the hours of 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. So grab a slot, pull up a couch, and we're going to diagnose you. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we're going to be talking about Riverdale's latest episode in treatment featuring special guest star Gina Torres as Mrs. Burble. Yep. Wait, let me try that again. As Mrs. Burble. How's that? Good? Oh, that was better. That you like that a lot? Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, unfortunately, Justin is off this week. He's getting a little bit of therapy on his own. <laughs> but we're going to talk about this episode, which is something that I don't know if exactly fans have been asking for this way for a long time, but they've definitely been asking for everybody to get some help. Yeah. So I thought, personally, this episode was pretty amazing. How'd you feel about it, Pete? Yeah, I definitely thought it was great. And it also kind of had a good message about like being able to talk to somebody and to kind of like assess the things going on in your lives. I thought it was very pro like talking to a guidance counselor or a professional or somebody you know so i thought that was really great yeah i mean usually a guidance counselor isn't the person you want to go to you want to go to them for uh where you're not going to go to college more than anything (laughs) because they're not going to be very helpful at least that was my experience shots fired dude yeah okay mrs james no no thanks no, thanks. I got it to Cornell anyway, all right? <laughs> Despite what you told me, you told me I'd never about Teddy. No, oh, none man. of this is true. I uh, don't remember. Uh, but uh, it turns out, uh, yeah, there is a counselor. They do get some help. Um, I also love the structure of this episode, which it's crazy to me that there's been so many episodes of Riverdale that take the episode titles like we're going to call this hereditary because there's some stuff about uh, hereditary stuff that comes up in this episode versus anything really that has to do with the movie hereditary versus this episode where they're like yeah that HBO show for the late 2000s in treatment let's do that with Riverdale uh, but it worked and for yeah. anybody who hasn't watched it the idea of that show was they would have little half hour therapy sessions it broadcast five days a week and so the doctor would meet with people on subsequent days so like a guest star would come in and you'd watch them on Mondays for seven to eight weeks then Tuesday would be another guest star and you follow their story and it was all through these uh, therapy sessions so with Riverdale they don't exactly do that Not exactly. It's a little bit, you know, it's a quick show, so a lot of other stuff is going on. Uh, But they do manage to actually spend a lot of time with all of the characters, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I'm almost reticent, and I know you're going to love this, Pete. I'm reticent to give recap here because each of the segments with each of the characters was a lot about info dump recap. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sorry, Pete. I'm going to go through it anyway, because there's a lot of stuff that you guys need to know. Real quickly, here's what's happened on the past three and a half season of Riverdale. <laughs> oh, my God. So back in episode... No, I'm not going to do it that. Okay. I'll, I'll just sort of hit the highlights, uh, because we do get a couple of segments focusing on the different characters. Uh, there is Alice Cooper, now called Alice Smith, uh, who was part of a cult called The Farm for about a season. She turned out to be an FBI mole. But while she was there, she gave away a lot of her daughter. Betty's college money. Also in that family, uh, there's a daughter named Polly. Uh, Polly went insane because of the cult and was sent to an insane asylum. Um, Other things went on there that you probably don't necessarily need to know about. There's a third child in the Smith family named Charles. 
who Alice gave up, thought died. He came back. He's an FBI agent. We don't really see him this episode, so don't even really worry about it. Uh, and Betty is dating a guy named Jughead Jones. Jughead Jones, of course, loves hamburgers, loves to eat them. I'm just kidding. That's just in the comics. Yeah. Uh, actually, what's going on with Jughead is he is attending a private school called, school called Stonewall Prep. At Stonewall Prep, there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, but the main thing that's going on is he found out that the money for the school mostly comes from a series called The Baxter Brothers, which is based on it's sort of like a Hardy Boys esque series, right, Bean? Yeah, cool. Thanks for backing me up. Appreciate yeah, it. no problem, man. Hey, we're we're in each other's quarter. That's the main thing, right? Yep, yep. Sweet. Uh, so uh, Jughead is at the school. He believes that his grandfather, Forsyth Pendleton Jones the first is the original author of the Baxter Brothers novels. They haven't explicitly said that, but if that turns out to be true, a lot of the Stonewall prep fortune would be in trouble. Uh, Last episode, it was last episode, it feels like it was a million years ago, uh, but last episode over Thanksgiving, uh, Mr., uh, sorry, a couple of episodes back, his teacher, Mr. Chipping, jumped out the window, killed himself. We didn't exactly find out why. Turns out it was because of potentially some manipulations on the part of Donna Sweet and Brett Weston Wallace to the students there. They have denied any um, wrongdoing on their part, but it seems like they might be part of a secret society that is at the school. That's part of what Jughead has been investigating. Uh, So, yeah, that's what's going on with Jughead. The other thing is he has a a father named F.P., F.P. Jones, Forsyth Pendleton Jones II. He is the sheriff in town. Uh, As far as we have heard, the first Forsyth beat him. He hit him. He was a drunk, an abusive drunk, uh, and he eventually left, and F.P. thought he was dead. We're going to find out that he's probably not dead, uh, but that's what Jughead is looking into right now. Moving back to Archie Andrews. Archie Andrews dealt with the death of his father, Fred Andrews, at the beginning of the season. A very sad event, obviously, yeah. because it paralleled the real-life death of Luke Perry. But it's something that has been following him all along throughout the season. It has powered him through to build a community center that is also a boxing gym, also a video game parlor, also, I assume, a pizzeria and several other things, maybe a veterinarian's office. I don't a lot know. going on. Yeah. Also, he wants to be a fire truck when he grows up, I think. <laughs> uh, and uh, Archie also has been moonlighting as a masked vigilante going after this dude named Dodger, who's been terrorizing the kids of Sketch Alley, which he built the community center on. Uh, and uh, he's been kind of beaten up because of that. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to Veronica. Veronica, as usual, has been dealing with her father, Hiram. Hiram is restarting his rum business in Riverdale. He's also the mayor of Riverdale now. Doesn't really play into this episode much. Also, he ran a prison for a while. He ran a prison for a while. And when he grows up, he wants to be a fire truck. <laughs> uh, and she has a new sister she didn't know about named Hermosa. Hermosa doesn't show up this episode, but her presence is definitely felt. So lots of stuff going on with Veronica. Uh, last one to talk about probably is Cheryl Blossom. Cheryl Blossom's storyline is, I think, the most grounded storyline. It's just normal human drama <laughs> about her living at her house with the corpse of her brother, who she talks about, uh, a doll that she thinks is haunted by Julian, the triplet that she ate in the womb. Uh, also, her girlfriend, Tony, is being very patient about everything. Uh, Tony killed a man, her Uncle Bedford, when Uncle Bedford attacked her a couple of episodes back, but it's all good because they threw him in the Sweetwater River, and now the salmon are gobbling his eyes. Yes, Pete, you have uh, something you want to bring up? They're also raising two children. Oh, yes, they are also raising Juniper and Dagwood, the twin children of Polly, who we mentioned earlier, and Jason Blottis, whose corpse is currently residing in the chapel at Thistle House. Uh, so that's, I think, everything you need to know to get into the episode. Let's talk through it, unless there's anything else you want to bring up, Pete. Uh, yes, I, I did want to talk uh, briefly because I wasn't here for the last episode. The and, mailbag episode. Yeah, the mailbag episode. And in the episode before that, right. um, uh, there was a uh, Donna story arc uh, that was a part of the show, and I was a little dismissive of her story. So I want to just take a, a moment and say that I apologize for dismissing her and what was going on with her. Uh, she had brought up a rape allegations, and I said I don't believe her, which wasn't very... Uh, was it rape or was it sexual assault? Because I think what she specifically did was accused him of sexual assault. Okay, well, yeah. sexual assault. Uh, but either way, the fact that I said was uh, that I didn't believe her wasn't very sensitive. 
Um, some people on our Slack had brought it up, and I just wanted to apologize. I didn't want to be dismissive dismissive of that. I don't want to contribute uh, to rape culture or any of that kind of stuff. I just wanted to say that I'm sorry, and uh, you know, I don't. I didn't mean to minimize uh, anybody's experience or anybody's pain. And also not to be dismissive, but if you'd like to contribute to discussions like that, patreon.com slash comic book club is a great place to check out, and you can get it our Slack as well. And we do, less jokingly, take feedback there and love to hear from you guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely chat about that stuff. Hey, it's your podcast as much as it is ours, yeah. but it's a little more ours. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it because there's lots of stuff to talk about oh, in this yeah. episode. Uh, so right at the beginning, we actually didn't mention this, uh, but a couple of episodes back, videos started showing up on the stoop. Yeah. Of everybody in Riverdale, VHS tapes that VHS just showed everybody's doors. VHS is back in. Is a that big true? Way. Yeah. So, well, let's let's pause here for a second and talk about theories of this. Let's hit pause on the VCR. Let's. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh, it turns out, a everybody in town has a VCR, also a tape answering machine, <laughs> because I don't know when this show takes place. Uh, <laughs> But uh, they all get VHSs, and the videos are still six hours long, and they're all getting closer to the door of everybody's house. Slowly getting closer to the door. Right. Which is a thing that you can do. You could just zoom in on the camera versus actually physically getting closer. Well, yeah. I mean, but you don't know what kind of camera equipment they're working with. You got to set up a tripod. It's a whole thing. But also, I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you go online and, like, like search like doors. Uh, that's a big thing of like people taking pictures of other people's doors and stuff like that. Why do you know this, Pete? I'm just saying, you know, uh, people love doors. Yeah, but why do you know that you could go online and search for people's doors? I don't know. Maybe I like to see what your door color is. You know, that's fucked up. So I think what we've determined, our prime theory here right now is that Pete is behind this. <laughs> uh, I mean, at this point, like, they even they say, okay, they're getting closer. What are they trying to do? Eventually break into the house or something like that. And it almost feels like that's too predictable at this point based on the fact that they said it. So what can possibly be going on? I think it's just one of those, like, tactics to be like, you're being watched. Nobody is safe. You know, kind of like uh, you think you are safe, but you're not type of situation. Because it is creepy to watch hours and like somebody's taped you for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll throw out a theory to you. I think, I think it's Monsters Inc. I think that's what's going on. Is they're taking videotapes on the doors, like in the movie Monsters oh, right. Inc., where they have the doors that they go through, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually everybody's going to be scared by monsters. But they'll find out that laughter is stronger than fear. I think it's just like Google Maps being super creepy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So our possibilities now are Pete. Monsters, Inc., or Google Maps. And yeah. I think these are all very good possibilities. Valid. <laughs> 100% valid. Yeah. And I think that's it for the recap, because I think <laughs> we've covered everything we need to cover. Now, uh, I do want to mention, I may have read this wrong, but I believe when FP goes to the door and his VHS tape is in a newspaper, I think the headline is Garcia Carnival Comes to Riverdale. Whoa. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a teaser for something that's going to happen down the way, because we haven't had, like, a carnival-themed episode, right? In a while. We used to have, like, a lot of, like, different events in the town. Yeah. But not so much Creepy anymore. Carnival would be a great place for a Riverdale oh, episode. Man. I would love that, particularly if they keep the therapy theme. And Miss Burble is like, all right, we're going to do it, but in this Hall of Mirrors. No. <laughs> it's a Watchmen tie-in. Uh, and the other thing that's stressing everybody out, other than the videos, is that college apps are starting to show up. And everybody is flipped out about it, including Stonewall Prep, where they're getting it to Princeton. Uh, and, uh, of course, in Riverdale High. Yes, Pete. Well, I just wanted to correct you real quick. It's not like college apps where it's like an app on your phone. It's college applications are right. coming back. Oh, okay. than, yeah. oh, that was confusing because I thought it was like college appetizers. Oh, like right. Uh, yeah. Jello shots. <laughs> Those are college <laughs> appetizers. Uh, no, they're not even college apps, actually. They're just acceptance letters. So I used entirely the wrong word here. Okay. Uh, so this is all early acceptance at this point, as I assume what's going yep. on, because it's around December. Um, it's weird that that many people applied early acceptance. Because I don't know about you. Like, I did apply early acceptance. I did not. But there were not that many of us. Yeah. In the school. It was not the entire school. What was great like about uh, the people who did the early acceptance, it, for uh, the rest of us, it was like, oh, shit, right. 
<laughs> I got to get on this. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good reminder. I I mean, I feel like we've actually talked about this maybe on, even on this podcast before, but if I hadn't gotten in early acceptance, I would have been fucked, like completely fucked, because I applied to Cordell, and I was like, yeah, I love Cordell. I don't know where else I'm going to go. And I applied like two more applications, and that was it. Wow. But you really put it all on Cornell. I did all put it on Cornell, but it paid off, buddy, and it paid off in big podcast bucks. Yeah, it sure did. Look at us rolling around in it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, now, the interesting thing also this is setting up, and this is kind of jumping around a little bit, but we're getting to the point where we're going to find out what everybody is doing next year and what Riverdale Season 5 if it gets picked up for a season five, which I kind of assume is going to be, uh, what that is going to look like. Uh, and we start to get hits of that here, particularly at the end of Betty's storyline, where it looks like she gets into Riverdale College, probably. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, I'm really worried about this because Saved by the Bell was a great show until we got to the college years. <laughs> okay. So, like, I'm worried that Riverdale, the college years, You're is starting off be bad. with a faulty premise. <laughs> Saved by the Bell was solid, mm-hmm. and then college years sucked. So, I'm worried yeah. that Riverdale is going to fall into that same trap. I, I will say there is always a problem with high school shows where it's like, wow, we're all at the same college now. Isn't that weird? And yeah. it just. For some reason, it breaks the delicate reality of the show and that it becomes nowhere near as interesting. Also, like, high school events are just more exciting. They're yeah. bigger. You know, we've talked about this a bit with senior year, but senior prom, graduation, uh, first love, breaking up with your first love, those are all bigger events than, like, this is my 13th college class. Yeah. It all sort of just becomes a wash at that point. But I do think Riverdale is a smart enough show to figure out a way to hit that in the right way or get around it, you're giving me an E face yeah, right up. Yeah, I'm worried about it, man. I'm really worried about it. All right. Well, don't worry about it yet. We still have plenty of time, and everybody is now going to Riverdale College, probably, is what's going to happen, or at least most of them, and then Archie will be like, yeah, I work at a boxing gym at Riverdale College now. It's cool. I'm <laughs> also cool. on it in classes. Also, I'm a teacher. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I just kind of <laughs> fell into a classroom one day. Uh, so, yeah, everybody's freaking out about it. Um, so, Mr. Honey, the principal of the school, takes Mrs. Burble, who's the guidance counselor, and says, hey, we're going to extend your office hours so you can have sessions with everybody. So that's the very quick, even though it took us well over 10 minutes to explain it, uh, setup of the episode and exactly what's going on. Uh, One thing that I'll get out of the way up front that I was very surprised about, Mrs. Burble is not evil. Yeah. Isn't that great? Because I was worried because Mr. Honey set it up. And I was like, oh, here we go. She's going to fight every premise, everything that's going on. She was an amazing guidance counselor. I would say maybe one of the best I've ever even, like... Well, she has a line. I think it's in the first one where she's talking to Betty, where she says, yeah, I'm also a licensed therapist. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's uh, Alice points out. She's like, I don't see the diploma on your wall. Alice was... Oh, my God. Alice was being classic Alice. We'll we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, But she is a licensed therapist. And I loved across the board. Overqualified, underpaid. Yes. And I loved how Gina Torres played it. I got to be honest, I don't usually like her very much. There's something about her that just doesn't work for me as an actress. Uh, Sorry. What the fuck is happening? What? No, I'm just, there's some people you don't like. You love everybody? No. Yeah, she just doesn't usually work for me, but I loved her in this. She was amazing. I thought she was fantastic. And this could have been a real train wreck of an app. Yeah. And she, because she's kind of like the the main focus of everything. It all kind of revolves around her, and she killed it, man. One of the smart things that happens, and I'm assuming it's a combination between the writing, the directing, and her acting, is because she's a therapist, a lot of it is just listening. And yeah. then reacting to what the other person and she saying. did such a great job of like not taking a lot of bait. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, people fighting her and her not like giving into that. She was very kind of like, all right, what is this really about? But the other part that comes down to Tessa Lee Williams' script is it allows Gina Torres to play different things with every member of the cast. Like, it's different therapy methods, because, of course, it's Riverdale. She's not one type of therapist. She's not like, here is my method. 
which is what a normal therapist would do. Um, so that's fine. But it I, makes it more interesting to watch because she treats Jughead differently from Betty and Alice, differently yep. from Cheryl. And I got to tell you, she did such a great job as an actress. If I see her on the street, I'm going to talk to her about my problems. Yeah. I think she wants that. <laughs> I think she is interested in that. Uh, you know, I haven't checked her Twitter or anything, but I'm sure she's like, hey, guys, hit me up 60 bucks an hour. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. She supplements her income doing uh, episodes of Suits <laughs> with therapy <laughs> sessions. Uh, yeah, she was great. I was. I spent the, the entire episode waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Where in the end she'd be like, "And here's the secret files on yeah. everybody." Yeah. But it never happened. Yeah. It was great. It felt so weird and I, uncharacteristic I, for Riverdale. I thought she would put on some kind of like a uh, weird mask or some kind of thing at yeah. the end, or like. Well, let me ask you this: Dodger this is, would walk in, or just because we're kind of watching this in a bubble, I was curious about it. Do you think if I told you before you watched the episode, said, hey, Mrs. Burble is not evil, by the way, would that be a good thing? Would that be a helpful thing or a bad thing? I think it would kind of be a good thing because that way I wouldn't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if worrying about it was part of the fun. I I don't think so, though. Like, I was wrestling with that while I was thinking about the episode afterwards. And I think ultimately... Yes, there are some episodes where the tension of what's going to happen with this person, what side are they on, is helpful for that sort of thing. But I don't think that was part of this episode at all. Uh, Yeah, I was also worried about her because a normal person hearing some of these problems. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. She handled like Cheryl and like so many different things. And like, uh, you know, Mrs. Smith, like I could not believe how I kept waiting for it to be like. Yeah, but it was really great. I mean, particularly because of how helpful she was with yeah. all these things, that kept making amping up my suspicion each yeah. time where I was like, how are you dealing with this? Yeah. This is crazy. This is how people probably feel when I describe an episode <laughs> of Riverdale to them. <laughs> Why are you not freaking out right yeah. now? But she didn't. She kept it even. And the, even the way she talked to Cheryl about, like, if I went through one of these things, you know? Yeah. Oh. Well, let's start talking through the storylines because okay. they are very separate. Um, each section is about ten, five to ten minutes long. So, one of them was maybe a little longer. Archie is, was super short, actually. I was surprised, not surprised to see yeah. that was the shortest one. Uh, but all of them are very good and very emotional in different ways. And then ultimately we get like a little blip at the beginning and the end with some of them to wrap it up. Uh, so let's talk about Alice and Betty first. Oh my God. So this kicks off with Alice is sitting. She's opened the letter from Yale. Betty has been rejected. And there's an interesting thing. First off, yes. fuck you, Yale. Whoa. You're not Pro. better than Betty Cooper, all right? I will tell you, Yale was one of the other schools that I applied to. Not early acceptance, but I was like, I'm not getting in here. So I was glad I didn't have to deal with that rejection letter. I would have felt like Betty. Oh, man. Uh, this... I really like... Could you the, stop humble bragging about your college for like five minutes so we could talk about that? All episode? I'm saying is that Harvard wanted me and I turned them down <laughs> so I could run my rum business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I really like the move that both Betty and Jughead have completely fucked up their college prospects by solving mysteries instead yes. of studying. Well, I love that. The just the ramifications of like you can't do everything. Yeah. And you guys have gone like full bore into like solving mysteries and that's like your thing and like it's great television, but like life-wise like, you know, the the only thing that didn't necessarily ring true about that to me because they've been pretty open about everything that's happened is it does feel like Particularly for Betty being like, hey, I took down a couple of serial killers. That's the sort of thing that gets you into colleges, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you write one essay about that and you are golden. <laughs> uh, but maybe she didn't want to write about that. Maybe yeah. she didn't want to play on the sympathy of, hey, my dad was a serial killer. I have a serial killer gene. Yeah, but yeah, I, would, I don't know if that would be good for accepting someone into a college. I don't know. If anybody out there works on college acceptances... Let us know if having a serial killer gene gives you a leg up or not. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say no. <laughs> you say no? Yeah. I mean, you feel like most colleges are going to be like, oh, they're a potential serial killer. <laughs> Come on campus. We'll give you a tour. Sleep overnight. Oh unsupervised. God. Oh, my God. Stop. That's super creepy, man. I will never stop. Uh, 
so the Alice and Betty storyline, uh, Alice not only opens the letter, but she also has discovered the birth control pills. Hidden in her desk. Hidden in her desk that Betty has. Um, I haven't looked up the laws on this, but it feels like Alice would probably know about it, right? Like, doesn't, doesn't a parent, depending on how young you are, have to get that stuff for you? I, I don't know. I think so. I don't know what age it's up to. I also don't know what state Rudell's in, so we can't really look up the laws there. Uh, but that was a weird moment to me. That was a weird thing for Alice to point out, and I do think they explained it by the end of the section, but it still felt like for Alice to jump on that and be like, I can't believe you're having sex seemed a strange thing for Alice to get to. Well, for, for what Alice is going through, the fact that she looks at Betty as a child and is trying to hold on to her for dear life, like it's her rock, it's her, like, makes her feel normal that she can take care of Betty. Uh, it makes a little sense. It was it was a little weird and, and, and not up to date with the times, but... I like you said, I think it made sense by the end. Yeah, but at the same time, she's been like she's been hooking up with FP. Yeah, she is. At the same time that Betty's been hooking up with Jughead. At the exact same time. At the exact same time, cutting back and forth often in the episodes, and they know that yeah. because they're in episodes of television. And she's like, Oop, we gotta go. They're cutting to the next scene. I also That's Betty and Jughead fucking. I also really liked how the uh, you know counselor. It was clear she's like I've watched all the seasons. <laughs> <laughs> she's like I know I'm you're familiar. I've watched Riverdale. Yeah. I know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Alice. Uh, they get pretty pissed about the birth control. Betty goes to see Miss Burble. Uh, Mrs. Burble, excuse me. There's definitely a Mister Burble out there. Unless I think I think in the comics he's dead. I think she is a widow. The widow, Mrs. Burble. Okay. So I don't know. Start your ships, I guess. What? Uh, but uh, Alice immediately comes in, and they have a therapy session together, which is a normal and real thing that happens all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, especially, would it be cool if you showed up to you know your high school, and then you're like, hey, is it cool if I bring my mom in for this <laughs> guidance counselor? <laughs> we can Wait, sorry, up? just real quick. Your situation is I go to high school as an adult, no, and I in, bring my mom. No, I was saying if you, when no, you if were in, I were in, in high, school. high school, yeah, yes, yeah. Well, Betty explains it pretty well. She's like, "We're yeah. not going to get rid of her," which yeah. was that a, was hysterical. It's a very funny but very yeah. appropriate Alice yeah. observation. Uh, and they end up having this therapy session. Alice initially says she's pissed because she's having sex, uh, but then Betty lays out everything that Alice has done oh. right on the table. She's having none of it. it so uh, great for Betty to be able to kind of like say it so well, like, all the things that's going on and, like, how wrong she is for the things that she's going through yeah. and the bringing up the fact that you blew, you know, my money on something. Even though she was in the FBI, she was still under his control. I was just like, what the... There were so many great lines in the scene. I think Lily Reinhardt and Mae Amick have such a wonderful dynamic anyway, and when they're allowed to play these scenes as actors play so well off of each other. It's wonderful yeah. to watch. Um, but a couple of things that I wrote down after Mrs. Burble points out that Alice is treating Betty like a child is Betty says, I feel like I'm filled with gunpowder and I'm one Elizabeth away oh, from exploding. she said that. And then she did come right back with another Elizabeth. She did. And she I was, was like, taunting her. Yeah. She I was, was like, taunting her and then Betty did it. Yeah, I know. Because she was actually pretty even in the scene. And then Alice starts sobbing and saying, I love you, I love you. And the way this scene turned, I I don't know, uh, this is probably too over the top, but I don't know that I've been so gobsmacked by something that happened on Riverdale just from an emotional perspective where she says, I love you. And Betty's like, that's not an excuse. And then she says, no, I love you. And she says, like, what about Polly? What about Charles? Yeah, that what was about a, everybody else? Yeah, when she was like... Go suffocate Polly. She needs somebody. She's in an institution. Like, that was, I think, really smart and a great kind of moment. And the thing that killed me, like, I legitimately started crying at this point from the point. I cried at this episode, but not here. I, I think I specifically cried at this point as a parent thinking about saying that sort of feeling ever out loud. But Alice turns to Betty and she explains why she's saying I love you, which is because I love you more, I love you most. most. Which, like, first of all, that is like rule number one of you parenting. You don't say that. You don't. You, say don't. That. you can't. You can't say that. Yeah. You don't 
necessarily feel that because I could say as the father of two kids, I love both of my kids differently. Like yeah. I don't love one more than the other. I love them in different ways and it's not the same. It is difficult to explain that to a child, but I certainly would never be like, I love you more <laughs> because <laughs> that would be excruciating and horrible. Yeah. And I think I don't, I don't know how I feel about how Betty ultimately reacts to this because by the end of the episode, she goes back. She that sees Alice. Amazing. Uh, Alice is happily making uh, dinner for the kid, uh, for the boys, which is FP and Jughead, presumably in the backyard. Uh, and Betty goes over and sees. That was confusing me when she said the boys. I thought she was like out of her mind. I was like, what boys? The prime video show. The cast of the boys was in the backyard. <laughs> uh, no, FP and Jughead, presumably. Yeah. Uh, and. She goes over and sees the acceptance letter. I think it was it was a thick envelope yeah, from it was. Riverdale it was College, a thick one. yeah, uh, and also the check because Riverdale College costs what five thousand seven hundred dollars or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Very cheap college. Oh, what a great price! Yes, oh, like what a deal! What a great deal! What is, it's a local college. Yeah, it's beautiful. There's a murder discount. How many times have you been almost murdered? Take a discount. Take a thousand off. Take a couple thousand. <laughs> you deserve on. it. Hey, <laughs> Riverdale College. You deserve it. <laughs> uh, but that uh, Betty at the end is like, I love you most too. Yeah. It's a very sweet thing to say back to that, but it's still such a horrifying thing in my mind to hear from Alice. You know? Like, even if she beads it, even if it's true, it's there's something awful about hearing that out loud. Wow. How did you feel about it as I a just, non-parent? As a non-parent, uh, you know... I was like, holy, I, I, I didn't think it was awful. I just thought it was like the thing you're not supposed to say. But there are, I feel like, you know, there is, you know, there is some truth to the fact that like Betty is the one that's around. And I could believe, yeah. I believe that she does love Betty the most, you know, and she's gone through so much loss and so much craziness that she does hang on Betty so much to keep her kind of afloat. And so, like, I believed her. You know? it, it's definitely consistent with Alice's character, yeah. I think, to feel that. Um, I, I guess it was because right up front we had 10 minutes of a relatively realistic Riverdale episode that it stunned me to have real raw emotion like that put out there. So I was very thrown. Yeah. Um, but then we move on to Archie's section. Yeah. Uh, Archie is asleep in ca- class. Kevin wakes him up. Which is a real thing. When you're out fighting crime yeah. at night, yeah, it's hard to stay awake during Well, we the should mention uh, Pete is AR teen correspondent on the show, uh, <laughs> but he also uh, is uh, the street beat, mm-hmm. and he covers mm-hmm. most of the best vigilantes in town, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. How's yeah. that going, by the way? It's intense, bro. Yeah. New York City is, we've, there's a high number of vigilantes out there, and it's oh, a man. lot to keep church track. Now, when you say vigilantes, you mean delicious sandwiches at bodegas, right? Hey, no. You gotta, you gotta catch you. that bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll, man. <laughs> or else, that's it. Hey, somebody's gotta eat them. It's true. <laughs> uh, so, Archie is asleep. He wakes up, gets sent to Mrs. Burble. Uh, and Miss Burble immediately noticed several things about him. She asked him about his dad, how he's doing. Yeah. Uh, he's and I was like, like, don't start this. Don't fucking, I don't want to fucking cry, man. Don't you start bringing this up. Did you cry at this one? Uh, nope. Oh, okay. All right. Ooh, we'll do like a cry counter and figure out how many ones we cried at. Uh, this one, though, I was surprised at where, like a lot of these segments, where the emotional arc went yeah. to. Because she keeps pushing him. She's like... Archie thinks the town needs him. Burble tells him that if there's some violence going on, that she ne- he needs to tell her about it. And he's like, no, no, it's no big deal. I just go out at night in a mask. I'm inspired by superheroes like Mr. Justice, the Comet, the Red Circle, which I believe are all Archie Comics uh, superhero characters, mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of the references of the show. The, the fact when he was like, listen, I'm really into comics, I was like, oh, God, this is not going to go well. You don't, you know. Yes. But then her relating like the <laughs> trauma of somebody and how they kind of turn into a vigilante to him, where it's like a kind of a Batman situation. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Yeah, I did love her being like, well, I'm not familiar with comics, yeah. but here's exactly how they work. <laughs> Which is a very, very like, well, I'm just a simple country lawyer. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand how I'm these laws. I'm just a caveman. I don't understand <laughs> these laws and 
She is. She is the caveman lawyer <laughs> of school therapists. Uh, That's a great sketch. Man. She great sketch. Do you want to talk about some other good sketches on <laughs> SNL? Yeah, I do. I uh, do. Really love Toots's the driving cat. Anyway, Gilly. Gilly's also really good. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, I was a big fan of like Land Shark mm-hmm. and Happy Fun Ball. Fan of Land Shark? You don't remember that? The no, I do. But wasn't that like the first? Did they do it more times? I don't know. It was great. I don't know. That bit. was back was like in the seventies. You were you're supposed to be our teen correspondent. Well, I'm sorry, man. Get get with the program. You're like I like Colin Jost. Colin <laughs> Jost, bro. Get I don't him. know Scarlett Johansson's husband. Yep. That's how I know him. I mean, the weekend update is the best part of SNL right now. There you go. Can we get off this tangent, please? Absolutely never. Uh, so he talks about the comics. She, uh, as you mentioned, points out uh, why people become superheroes because there's a trauma behind the mask. Hashtag Watchmen now on HBO. Uh, he says uh, he's and then he bursts out and he says, of course, I'm angry. I am I'm angry, angry all the time. And I really thought KJ Apa did a wonderful job here of transitioning from anger to sadness. They clearly styled his hair, so it's like even falling down so you can see him being hangdog and sad in this moment. He's shaking. He's talking about how he hurts all the time. How can I protect everyone all the time? How can I do it? I can't even protect my mom. Uh because my house was shot up over Thanksgiving because of things that I did. Uh, And Mrs. Burble says, it doesn't have to be up to you. Get volunteers, start a tip line, just don't... She volunteers herself? Yeah. She says, just don't put on a mask and go into an alley and fight crime. That's not what a reasonable person does. You need help. You can't do this all by yourself. Now, here's another smart decision, I think, that the show made. Some of the characters take the lessons in the right way, and some of them do not, which seems very true to therapy to me, Mm -hmm. that you ultimately do with the recommendations what you want. And what happens with Archie is Archie goes home. He tells his mom, the safest thing for you. No, I want to talk about this because he goes, Mom, we got to talk. And she goes, oh, boy. Oh. What a great moment. What a great mom moment that was. <laughs> that was, was so cool. That. I like the fact that she was making him a salad rather than an enormous bowl of eggs because up until this point, he only eats eggs. Right. She uh, goes in and is like, hey, to keep you safe, mom, I got to move out of here. And she's like, sounds good, killer. See you later. Going <laughs> to eat this big salad. Uh, and he goes to stay at the community center where I guess he's going to live now. Yep. Totally reasonable reaction at this point. Uh, He throws out the mask, sets up the tip line. He does a horrible job of throwing out the mask. He puts it on the... No, man, it's the Spider-Man No More thing. Right, but like, you know, he's... He's played a lot of sports. He could have, he could have, he was purposely, I think, not trying to throw it out. And it was like. Sure. I mean, I think part of that is that, but a part of it is also there's the classic Spider-Man No More cover where it's half hanging out of the garbage can and it was supposed to be like that. But it's very short-lived because he ultimately gets a call. What would you think of his answering machine and the message he made? uh, Great tip line. Yeah, but I mean, the part where at the end he goes, you're not alone. And I was like, what about the person alone in their house leaving you this message? No, 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 no. Who's like, hey, I'm alone. There's an intruder. Please come and help me. That's the whole point of tip lines, though, is people do feel alone in their house. They do feel alone, whether it's a suicide tip line or an abuse tip line or anything like that. Uh, The first thing you let people know is I am here and I'm not getting off the phone. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it was an answering machine, but I do think that was... Yeah, it's very reassuring, which is sweet. Yes, it is very sweet. Uh, but then he puts on the mask again and immediately goes out to fight crime with his bat, which is like very classic Archie. was like, I went through a therapy session, got angry, ignored everything that I learned. Here we go. Classic Archie. Let's talk about Cheryl. Wait, jumping to Cheryl? Yeah, that was the next was she one. She was next? Oh, she was next. You're right, yeah. Was this the one? Did you cry at this one? Nope. What? Yeah. You were made of stone, sir. Also, well, I'm. Oh, I, I think I figured out where you cried. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Was it FP? Yeah. Lose the hug? Yeah. I knew it. I know you so well. <laughs> uh, the Cheryl one destroyed me. Oh, she is amazing. This actress who plays Cheryl, whose name is Pete? I don't know. <laughs> Madeline uh, Patch. She, the range and the. Like, she could snap into Cheryl in a second. We've been covering the show for three and a half seasons. That's true. You didn't know what her name was. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't Who know. Who plays Archie? I don't know. KJ Atha? Okay, yeah, that Who guy. plays Betty? <laughs> Lily Reinhardt? Yeah. Jesus. Pete. I'm not good with Read names. Read a cast list. I'm not good with names. IMDb, it's right there. Okay. Oh, my God. All right, what were you going to say about Cheryl? I don't know the by rest Madeline of them, by the way. I, the, only, the only one I knew coming into this was Luke Perry, man. Yeah. What about, do you know Jughead? Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse, right, because oh I remember him God. from uh, the Daddy movie. <laughs> Adam Sandler. <laughs> yes. Big Daddy, the Big main Daddy. thing that everybody knows Cole Sprouse from. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that he's done. Never any Disney Channel shows or I'm anything sure like that. I'm sure he's done a lot of stuff. He's, done, he's, a very, he's had a very prolific career, okay? Good. Good for him. I'm just trying to get my 10% here. All right. <laughs> um, Cheryl was unbelievable, and I was so nervous that she was going to share too much and she was going to get the vixens taken away or that she was going to be thrown in a, you know insane asylum or something. Yeah. Well, the, what actually happens here in the sequence, so it starts with Cheryl and Tony. They're very quickly hanging out on the couch. Tony Topaz, her girlfriend. Uh, Mr. Honey calls her into the office and says, listen, we're going to kick you off of the vixens. You have missed, what was it, 26, 27 days? Yeah, and then she's like, I've been through a lot, which is very true. Absolutely true. She's like, I'm taking care of twins. I'm taking care of my Nana, who is demented, I'm ta- in and out of dementia. Uh, I'm taking care of my brother died. My father died. My mother, mother was di- a criminal yeah. and is out of town somewhere, though probably actually inside of the walls of Thistle House and behind everything that's happening. But we'll get to that in the next episode, probably. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who else is it going to be? Oh. Of course. It's her. Uh, but uh, she goes through all this stuff, and Mr. Honey says, okay, fine. I'm going to give you to the guidance counselor for an evaluation. If she says you're cleared, you can do the Vixens. Otherwise, we're bringing in an adult. We're bringing in a new cast member to run the Vixens, or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But it, it should be fun to potentially see who's going to run the Vixens if they bring in another special guest star. I think that would be fun. Uh, so Cheryl goes in front of Mrs. Burble. Oh, and I forgot to mention with the first. Who can take Cheryl's place, though? That's going to be a big casting decision. Oh, like a Vixens coach? Yeah. I don't know. You know who they should get? They should get Jennifer Tilly. Wow. Right? That would be amazing. Bring her in, have a little uh, Gina Gershon, Jennifer Tilly, Bounds oh, connection type thing. Oh, wow. That would be great. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it would be good. Uh, they'll figure out somebody. They're yeah. good at this casting thing. They'll be sure fine. Are. Uh, I forgot to mention there is a great line through this episode where there's just a running joke about insane candy that Mrs. Burble had. Yep. And my headphones were a little bad, so I didn't get to hear everything. The second one that she offers Shagarol, I think it was Three Mutineers? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay, and then the next one, the one that she... Cheryl is like, I don't eat nougat or whatever she said. <laughs> yeah. Cheryl is just fantastic. Veronica gets offered a butter flinger, yeah. I believe. Uh, and then we get to see, I think, boxes of senior mints, though I didn't see it at the end when in Jughead session. You finally got what you've been asking for for a really long time. I love it. I love it. More of it. Honestly, if the show morphs from murder to just nonstop candy puns, I'm all in. Uh, so Cheryl uh, goes and immediately is just like ripping into Mrs. Burble, but Mrs. Burble is having none of it. And she did such the, a great job of dodging all of that. The arc of this scene. I mean, she makes fun of how old her blazer was. Like it was Cheryl was just so. I I love this. I, what I loved about this is because Cheryl keeps doing her Cheryl thing, throwing insult after insult at Mrs. Burble, and Miss Burble just stays calm and even, which is the thing that she can't deal with, until Cheryl starts to crumble. And yeah. there's this shot where she's reading off everything that happened to Cheryl. Oh, my God. And she reads it off, and you can see Madeline Petch's face just falling as she's reading it, as she's realizing everything that's happened to her over the past couple of years, ending with... Uh, and then you fell through the ice. And that was an accident. She, that was an accident. And she the line that, quick. like, the point where I was like, oh, no, oh, I'm not going to be able to handle the scene, is she looks right in the eyes and says, it's okay if you told me it wasn't. And that was beautiful. Like, just yeah. that exchange, that they weren't ignoring it, that that's what shirts Cheryl off, that she understands. What crushed me was her and her locker. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But the whole thing, she starts sobbing and crying and confesses, and we get, 
I don't know if the journey was worth it necessarily to go through this whole insanity that's happened for the first seven episodes in the season, but that we are at this point where she lays out how she is feeling about everything that happened. uh, And she could says, I think maybe I lost my mind and I don't know no, when, when. It, when it happened. That was unbelievable. So many lines in, throughout this episode were amazing. So unbelievable when she said that. Yes. And having her lay it out like that, that she really has just been powering through everything that's going yeah, on. she really has. She was like, I don't, when I fell through the ice, when I, like this happened, I don't know when I lost it. But then... How great the therapist was to just listen and to relate things to real life. Like, she doesn't know how creepy Cheryl is being with <laughs> sure. the body and stuff. But, yes. like, the saying, like, well, what's the difference between talking to an urn versus talking to your brother? You right. know, and, and then I Cheryl like, shoots back. She's still uh, combating her. And yeah. she says, no, that's ashes. This is different. Yeah. This is different. This is a different thing. I'm crazy. Like, she keeps pushing from the direction. Cheryl keeps pushing in the direction of, I'm crazy. Something is wrong with me. And Mrs. Burble hits her in a very similar way to that Tony line back in season two, where she says, you're not deviant. You're spectacular. That's the short version of the line. But it felt like an expanded version of that scene. And it made a lot of sense as a through line for Cheryl's character that she continues to think that because she's a blossom, there is something wrong with her. And she just needs these people in her life, like Tony, like Mrs. Burble, to say, no, you're okay. And you're allowed to be okay. And you're also allowed to not be okay if that's what you are. Just talk about it and talk to people about it and deal with these things. And she also says, you're not crazy. You miss your brother. And uh, then we get a little river dally with the test. Oh, with the chimerism? So here's the thing about this. I looked this up. So uh, Burble uh, says, look, that's not a doll. You're probably being gaslit. Yeah. It's funny that Cheryl isn't like, oh, yeah, that thing I did to my girlfriend a couple of episodes back. But she does relate it to the actual movie uh, Gaslight. Uh, and they're like, yeah, exactly. Like that, what I think is going on is somebody is faking this. You're almost definitely not a chimera. You haven't absorbed your brother's cells. There's an easy cheek swab test that you can do. I'm going to send you to a doctor to get this done. Here's the thing about that. This is true. What? This is actually all true. Like, I didn't. I thought it was going to be like the serial killer gene where they right. futzed a bunch of stuff and yeah. kind of hit on it, but kind of not. But in current medical history, there have been about 100 cases of chimeras of different types. And there's a several different types of chimeras where it's you absorb somebody's cells. One way it happens, for example, is fetal blood from a fetus goes back up the umbilical cord into the mother so they get a little bit of their DNA. Or there, another way that it happens is when one of the twins miscarries and the other twin essentially consumes it in the womb, they may still have their DNA. But there have been literally 100 cases maybe of it that have been recorded. So it's insanely, extremely rare, but you can actually do a very simple test to find out wow. whether it's true or not. Are you going to take the test? Uh, no, I'm hoping I'm a computer. <laughs> <laughs> because then I'm going to get that razor tail and lion head and oh, everything, yeah, just man. like the mythology. No, but it is actually kind of real. Uh, and as she finds out, uh, this is jumping ahead. We'll jump back to the moment you mentioned before. Uh, but she finds out she is not a chimera and does her classic Cheryl thing where she's like, okay, now shit's going to go down. Yeah, now uh, they're going to feel the wrath of Cheryl. I'm like, Cheryl's back. And, well, I love that. Like, yeah. I love that we went through this journey, dealt with it in a realistic, emotional way, even if it has been absolutely bonkers what's been going on here. And then that allows us to be like, Tony's like, I don't know what's going on, but tell me I love you. And, yeah. Oh, and then, so amazing. And I really hope that at the end of this, Cheryl's going to let her brother, like, bury her brother or something because the the creepy body. I think eventually she's going to bury Tony and uh, bring her brother into the house further. No, I don't think so. I think she's going to get rid of her brother next season. Uh, okay. Not next season. Excuse me. Next, next episode. episode. Yeah. Uh, because as far as I know, I believe they're done with the plot line at that point. Good. Uh, but I thought it was great. Uh, but jumping back. Uh, she gives her the doctor's note and she says, as a therapy patient, you've been a plus 
But as an administrator, I got to tell you, you can't be on the Vixens. And I thought the explanation was great. That you got to concentrate on yourself. You got to fix yourself before you can do this other thing because you're spreading yourself too thin. And that was the thing. She was like, it's temporary. It's not permanent, which I was like, okay, thank God. Yeah. But then we have another amazing scene with Madeline Patch where she goes into the locker room. Everybody's looking at her like, oh, that Cheryl, weird stuff going on with her. She takes her HBIC head bitch in charge shirt and screams into it and collapses sobbing. Yeah. So sad. That uh, almost like made me cry, but I was just like, oh. But you're made of stone, as we've established. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's two more we got to get through, so let's get through them. Uh, next one is Veronica. This kicks off with Hiram is trying to get his new bo- his first bottle of wa- rum, basically like his lucky dime, centered in the case next to his money bin that he's going to dive in later. Uh, and Veronica's like, yeah, I don't care. Leave yeah. me alone. I have to go to school. Uh, and she immediately gets accepted to Harvard. But what was great was they planted that seed where he was like, hey, Miha, and she walked right in. Yes. Which was like the well, therapist yes, very called tight. out. Exactly. Like yeah. she gets called in. He's like, ah, my Harvard diploma. This is perfect. Yeah. My two favorite things. So it's all very well set up there. Yeah. She is very excited about getting into Harvard. She jumps to Fort Joy. Very cute. But then finds out that her father clearly. When, at the end of the phone call when he goes, thank your father for me. Yeah, for the rum. Oh, I was like, no. I mean. That was pretty clear. It was seven. great, though. Yeah. Uh, so she gets pissed off. Uh, by the way, I also wanted to mention this is such a weird detail, uh, but Kevin is there and he's teaching game theory in class. Yeah. What is that about? And I also liked how Kevin like looked out like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin knows what's happening. Yeah, why? I know. But why is he teaching game theory? Why not, man? You Sometimes you got to present to the class. It's a presentation. I don't know. It felt like it was something. Like it had to be a hint for something, right? I don't know. Maybe he was just like, it's time for some game theory, like that classic thread on Twitter. Yeah. He's a big Seth Abramson fan. (laughs) Uh, But then she, Veronica, is pissed off, and this is a very different therapy session, because versus the others that get, uh, people are sobbing, they're crying. This one is Veronica's just angry. She is pure, raw fury. Like Uh, how Archie is angry. I thought it was interesting that it was the two of them that are both angry. are angry and both essentially take absolutely the wrong lessons for Mrs. And Purple. also Betty and Jughead both had like parent issues. Right. Yeah. Well, which is, that's their characters. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Veronica, she goes in. Uh, she's pissed about Hiram's actions. Uh, Burble pushes her, says... This is all about control. You're yeah. doing a dance of death with him. A dance of death? If my therapist told me I was doing a dance of death, I would walk out and leave. Yeah. I, what I would say, if my therapist would say that, you, I would say, you mean tango de la muerte? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, who and are then the music you? would go. <laughs> oh, my God. A flower. You would, just, yeah, yeah, you would just put a flower and rose. <laughs> yeah. Hand in the air. It would be amazing. It would oh, be like, quite the moment. Oh. Uh, but You've yeah. been waiting your whole life for someone to say that to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, uh, it's going to happen someday, I think. Yeah. You I carry know. a lot of flowers around, just I, in case. They're very wilted, i got to be honest. Uh, so, uh, Veronica, they say they're doing a dance of death. Veronica's like, I've always seen our relationship as more Shakespearean than a Greek tragedy. She says they have an electric complex. And pushes that very hard. Hard push. Uh, which is very interesting. Veronica almost doesn't pick up on it, I feel like, in a way. Because an Electra complex, just like an Oedipus complex, which she apparently did not read these stories at all, Oedipus had sex with his mother and then killed her and poked out his own eyes. Mm-hmm. Electra, I don't 100% remember what she did, but it's the same sort of thing where she had sex with her father and then killed him. Uh, so she's kind of looking at it and it's like, it's a twisted relationship, but that's not what it means. That's not the only thing. Therapists do not pull it out for that. And I think Mrs. Burble is like, this is even more fucked up than you realize. Like, yeah. and what Mrs. And, Burble... Well, I was very happy about this because this is something I've been saying for a while. Why isn't Veronica left? Why are you still there? Yes. And she says, it's not hate, it's obsession, uh, you both obsessed with see, each other, which yes, is true. You see your father as your ideal future self, which Veronica's like, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. What are you talking but about? That's exactly what she's going for. She does. And because she and she also says, but I really do want to go to Harvard. That's what I want to do. That's my passion. But then she goes, I feel in entirely the wrong direction at the which end of the was episode. Great though. 
No. You no, know, yes, that was great. No. She chooses Yale. She likes the colors better. And she does it. She realizes through that therapy session that she is her daddy's little puppet. Sure, but don't be like, and I'm going to drink your rum. And I'm gonna destroy no, that you was, on the battlefield. As soon as she of had business. her feet up on the like dad's, that's the same thing she's been doing for I years. I loved it. I ate it up. It was so great. They and did I, a fine job with it. Like it was fun to watch, but it was disappointing because it felt glass. like she could have moved on. Get out of that world. Don't be your father. That's exactly what you're doing. Oh, you're saying they are doing uh, the, the tango. Exact, yeah. De la de <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. She's making the wrong I decision. thought she did such a great job, but you revealed that she did not. Yes. Just uh, like Archie. Just like Archie. It's the, exactly the same thing. And I think in terms of the episode, that's okay, because like I was saying, that's what happens with therapy. Sometimes you go in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do the wrong thing and take the long lessons. And I think that that's what they did versus Jughead, who has a very oh, fruitful. I love the start of this, though. Where Jughead's like, fuck this. This is ridiculous. You're, you're. Well, hold on. So he's at Stonewall. He gets into class late. DuPont, he says, where's everybody in the class? And DuPont, who is the teacher that he has repeatedly accrued some crimes, and I don't know what's going on there, is like, well, everybody left. I dismissed them so they could write stuff. You haven't been writing stuff. You haven't turned also, in any pages. You haven't applied to any colleges, and I don't think anybody's going to give you a recommendation because you suck, dude. Uh, why don't you go back to your old bunk-ass high school and try to get a recommendation there. So that's what he does. He goes there to get a transcript from Riverdale High, and while he's there, Mrs. Burble quarters him. Uh, he's stuffing candy in his pockets. Which was awesome. And that's, I like this. Every like, time I'm near a candy bowl, that's all I do. I, I know people are going to be disappointed that their favorites didn't get a session. Like, Tony didn't get a session, or whoever, uh, Reggie didn't get a session. Yeah. Uh, or Kevin, Kevin didn't yes, get it. They all need it. Kevin needs a session. They all need it, but I liked the way they set up the Jughead thing. Uh, it was certainly an excuse to get him in there, yeah, but it, it made was. sense to me. Yeah, they worked hard to get him in there, but whatever. But it's okay. But I think like it made sense why he was there, and it was all good. Because they ultimately have this uh, conversation. Jughead lays it out for her, as usual. He's just like, here's the mystery I'm trying to yeah. solve. Here's all the crimes that are going on. Uh, and Burble, which we called, like we talked about on this podcast a couple of episodes ago, is she's like, I think you're just afraid of doing the work. That's what I think is going on right now. Yeah. I think Do the work. There's uh, this may not be the exact line. I wrote what I wrote down was um, you're going to you're trying to fulfill their expectation that you're a bum and then use that as an excuse when you don't succeed. Yeah, that was ballsy. Also, like look at your grandpa through your father's eyes. <laughs> well, let's give a little more setup for that. Uh, but I think, first of all, that's the first thing he needs to deal with is actually doing the work again, being the smart student that he knows he can be. Because I thought she was going to say, like, stop doing the investigations. Stop following your passion. Just fold and, you know, like. But she didn't. She ended up being like, you, you believe in this? Fight for it, investigate it, yeah. do the work. And I was like, yes, Which, yes, therapist, you're killing it. Yeah, right she now. was like, do your work, basically, like, do your homework and then you can watch TV. It said it was like, do your homework and then you can go solve your mysteries or whatever you're going to do. But she's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the second part of it is she does point out that part of it. Think about what it's doing to your father. Well, Think about what it's doing to that main relationship in your life. Your father is a guy who started from nothing, was beaten up by his abusive, uh, alcoholic father, was in a gang, and pulled himself up to become sheriff of the entire town. And you could certainly poke holes in like, yeah, well, I was like, whole, okay, he's right. not was, like, yeah, 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 he's not a great sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Also, he was in a gang. <laughs> he did a lot of things. Yeah, he's also still in a gang. He's yeah, back in a gang now. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this. Listen. This is the problem with Riverdale is like you got to concentrate on yeah. an episode by episode yeah. basis because otherwise you're like, what time period are we in? <laughs> yeah. What's happening right now? Yeah. But on this episode basis, it was a great point that she was making. Uh, and she says, uh, how does trying, yeah, like basically how does trying to redeem your grandpa, how do you think that makes your father feel? Yeah. Uh, and I thought Cole Sprouse is, he's the actor who plays Jughead. Yeah, thanks. Dude. He's from Big Daddy. Uh, he, uh, his reaction there where he just realizes and lets that wash over him, 
that's one of the things that, again, I thought was so great about this episode is they gave time for those acting moments. Yeah, throughout. and I really thought he was going to fight that a little bit more. But the fact that that like really kind of hit him and he sat with it yeah. was really powerful. It was great. And then when he saw his dad. Like, oh. Yeah, so Juggerhead understands it. He grabs all of the candy. Yeah. and then he gets... She gives him the okay, though. Yeah, exactly. It it's great. great. He's the last session of the day. Yeah. We'll assume that Tony and Kevin and Reggie happened somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, and he gets home and he's at home. Wait, and are I... there other people in the school? Uh, nope, those okay. are the only students. Yeah. It's all good. And they're all going to Riverdale College, <laughs> the Ivy League college that just happens to be there. Uh, he gets home. FP is like, hey, boy, what are you doing here? No, he was like, oh, it's so good to see you home. And like, and he jumps up and hugs him. Hugs him. Yeah, again. And then seeing FP's face and like how much he enjoyed that moment. Yeah, and him saying, I love you, Dad. Oh. I don't say that enough. Oh. <laughs> Real frequency vibes going oh. on there. You know what I'm talking about, frequency? <laughs> Best dad movie of all time. No. No? I, no. I don't. Also made it to a show for the CW? You've never watched Frequency? Nope. Oh, so good. There's a magic radio that a son and his father connect with over time. Oh, wow. Yeah. His father died in a fire. They never got to be with him, and they finally get to talk, and they talk about baseball and stuff. Oh, man. Good uh, good dad sci-fi movie. Check it out sometime. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, he hugs him. Uh, let's see. We covered the end of Archie. Uh, we covered... We didn't mention that Toadie was reading Abbeville Horror, which I thought was hilarious, in Pops when Cheryl goes to see her. Uh, we talked about Veronica. Oh, one little note I wrote there. I think she says instead of Forbes, the magazine is called Fibes. So it's like four and then fives, except Forbes and fives. Yeah, that was ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> I'd definitely be in fives. 100%. I wonder if the f- they sell copies of fives at the five seasons. I have to imagine that they do. Uh, and then uh, the last thing that happens is Betty is there with Jughead. She's reading one of his stories. He's finished all of his work. He's like, I finished my he's stories. I did all my homework. So much stuff. Yeah, he's very happy. And he started investigating things. And he's found out that folks who were the same age, the same class as DuPont and his grandfather all mysteriously died. And they all have very close to actual writer names. Uh, Theodore Wiesel died in an, uh, was an artist who drowned. Jane Dallas Brown was in a car crash. And my absolute favorite one in a jet crash, uh, died by jet crash, was uh, Charles W. Chickens, uh, which is ludicrous, like an absolutely ludicrous name. Uh, so it's absolutely crazy that that happens. Uh, but they lay all of that out. They lay out that, like, clearly there's a conspiracy going on. And Betty's like, it says what everybody's been thinking for episodes to this point, which is like, Jughead, you have to transfer out of this school of death. Yes. And he's like, no, man, I got to finish this investigation. Cut to a flash forward. Betty and Archie and Veronica are being put on the lineup. FP turns and is like, is that them? And we turn and we see Donna and Bradley are like, yes. Those are the people who killed Jughead Jones. Jones. Dun, dun, dun. What do you think about this ending, Pete? What's going on here? This Donna and Brett, gr- the true heroes of Riverdale, well, working with Chick to save everybody, stop the evil Betty, Veronica, and Archie? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this was a great episode. Yeah. This was a great episode. Well, what's your theory? What's going on? It's. I still think that Jughead is doing this thing to prove that he's the uh, uh, best writer and this is his pitch for why he should get the Hardy Boys thing. And also, uh, it's uh, he's trying to find out about his dad. So, like, he goes missing uh, like his dad. Grandfather. Went. Yeah, grandfather. Sorry. Yeah, I I don't know. I think we still don't have all the information we need to understand exactly what's going on here, but it certainly seems like either the Secret Society, had, which I'm forgetting the name, it's like Skull and Quill, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, it's like Pin and... Uh, pin not, and Grapes? Yeah, something like that. Pin and, It's like a yeah, skull and like a pin. Peanut butter and jelly? <laughs> something like that. I think it's Skull and Quill. Uh, they, they're either they're manipulating things that certainly seems to be indicated by Donna and Brett being there, or like we suspected, it is Jughead trying to get one over on them, or it's something else. We don't know what it is. Before we wrap up, who was the MVP? Qu- Quill and Stole. 
No, that is not what it is. That's what you wrote down <laughs> yeah. from last episode, and that was wrong. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I, keep I was like, oh, I wrote this down. I'm pretty sure it's Skull and Quill. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up skull. the incorrect skull, thing. Yeah, it's Skull and Quill. Yeah. No, what was the thing that you wrote down? Quill and Stall? Yeah. Like a nice autocorrect. Yeah, really uh, messed me up. Yeah, it was definitely autocorrect. Who was the MVP of the episode, Pete? Surprise me. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll definitely surprise you. Betty, all day, her day. Why this Because she was able to communicate with her mother and have a real uh, understanding and coming together, even though her mother has completely screwed her over time and time again, and they had a happy moment. I'm going to go with Cheryl this episode. As I mean, should. there were so many good sequences here, but that was the one that I was waiting for, the one I was nervous about, and I think they absolutely delivered on it, uh, what I was hoping, and Madeline Patch's performance completely destroyed me in this episode. The several moments I cried or got teary-eyed, but that was I, the one I definitely that I was like, clutched my pearls a bunch. Mm, yes, and uh, to be clear, Pete always wears pearls. Oh, yeah. When I'm watching you the love, show. you love Veronica. <laughs> Twist. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Riverdale. A couple of other places you can check us out. You can check us out on Twitter at Riverdale Dark, on Facebook at Riverdale After Dark, and on Instagram at Riverdale After. Also, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment, and please do comment they help us a lot on itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice and we'll see you after dark <laughs> pete join me in la tango de planting